What up, Brad fans? How you doing? I hope you are well. Um, this episode, we're continuing on with a topic that we covered in one of the conversation episodes with the Connecting the Dots uh, filmmaker, Youth Mental Health. Um, this time, we're, it's, a, it's a bit more of an expansive conversation, and I had my brother, uh, Daryl, on the show because he has been a teacher for 10 years. He currently teaches and has for the last while. Um, taught students in the sort of middle school, high school, junior high, high school age um, group. And when the so when the movie The Social Dilemma came out, this Netflix documentary about social media, he was he, re- he was really recommending it. And we talked a lot about um, you know this issue, like what is it about social media that's potentially driving this mental health. Uh, issues or crisis, however you want to put it, in youth. So I was like, dude, you should come on the podcast and we can talk about, you know, what you've seen as a as a, stu- as a teacher, what you've seen in the students, uh, that kind of thing. And I dug, a, dug around and found some papers on, you know, what is it about social media that is so harmful to uh, mental health, especially in adolescence, vulnerable adolescents and stuff. Um, So yeah, so the conversation kind of goes a bunch of different places because there's a lot there and the data is kind of just coming out. So it's interesting to understand like, well, how do we, how do we know that it's social media that's driving this thing? And um, what exactly is it about the nature of social media or um, being online or whatever that that's so damaging and it actually we we in the research and some other things i don't want to give too much away here but it's a combination of things so we talked about like the lack of play um that kids engage in you know the pressures of um that are get they get put on them about academic success and stuff like this and then also you know where does social media fit into that so it was a really fun conversation i think an important one too um and it was great to have my brother on and get his insights from 10, like I said, 10 years of teaching uh, and seeing this sort of play out over the last decade. Because uh, when he started like 10 years, so 2010, roughly, that he started teaching, that's kind of the window that the research shows that the mental health issues started and have gotten worse over time. So he's kind of like uniquely positioned to kind of comment on this. Um, So it was really fun. It was a really great conversation. I'll thank him for for doing it. Um, and then, you know, we're talking about the dangers of social media and stuff. And I'm going to say, Hey, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at too bad for you. Um, you know, that's not, that's for you. I'm doing that for you so that you don't miss an episode. It's not to boost our account or anything like that. I don't get any pleasure about seeing the, the accounts go up. That's sarcasm. If you can't tell, I do enjoy watching, uh, our numbers go up to see that people are listening or engaging with the show and enjoying the show. So I hope you will, are following us and that you will reach out to us at Too Brad for You on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we have an email as well at Too Brad. No, sorry, email Too Brad for You dot Too Brad for You at Gmail dot com. See too many flipping handles here. I can't keep it all straight. Uh, the website, toobradforyou.wordpress.com. Basically, if you Google Too Bad For You, you'll find some way to get in touch with us. If you've got a podcast service that you use, subscribe. 
there so that you get all the episodes. Leave a comment, leave a rating, all that stuff. It does help boost the profile of the show. It does make me feel good to see our numbers go up. But again, you know, we do the show so that people listen to it. So I hope people like it and listen to it. Um, yeah, so that's it. You know, it sounds hypocritical and I always feel like such an asshole for badgering people about subscribing and commenting and liking and stuff, but please do. I mean, it would, it would be nice. There's a little guilt trip for you. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all for me. Uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation and yeah, get in touch at two Brad for you on like any platform. So here we go. My conversation with my brother, Daryl, the teacher about many different aspects of social media and youth and mental health. My man, Daryl, my brother. What is up, man? Thanks for being here. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm happy to actually finally be able to contribute in some form and capacity other than just being a fan of the show. You hear that? Fan of the show. They do exist. Yeah, subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pay him to say that. I didn't pay him for that. <laughs> no, we, uh, it was, uh, well, I guess let's start with like why this topic came up and why, you know, we decided to do this because that movie, uh, the Netflix documentary that just came out, the social dilemma, you know, when it came out, um, you know, I had it on my watch list already, but you kind of flagged it for like in some of the group chats and stuff that we're part of with our buddies and stuff. As like people should check this out, and you know, you were talking about how it relates to um, some of the things you see as a teacher, and you're now what ten years as a, yeah. as a teacher. Yeah, I got my pin. They gave ten me a little pin. pin. Thank you for your service. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's service. Yeah, <laughs> the front lines of the future. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> But so that's interesting because it does kind of so we so we wanted to that was it we wanted to talk about um, the social media influence on um, youth mental health right because there's right. this connection that's being made and the social dilemma talks about it um, and it's something that you can kind of like it makes sense right when you yeah. when you hear that that argument and stuff but it also kind of like made me think about how you know people talk about. Um, when we were growing up, it was like, oh, video games are going to rot your brain and yeah. all this stuff and TV and everything like that. Yeah. I think it's important, that. though, too, to discern. Like, I think it's something that I try to look at uh, now and when teaching it's media literacy is actually part of our health curriculum. Mm. Um, but it's it's very like basic stuff. And it's a little it's basically just a little bit of critical thinking. And I feel like it's best to move it into three different categories. And if you have screen time and content and social media, I can see how you could misconstrue all three of them. And there is some overlapping, mm. but it's, I do think you could pull those apart and look at them in different ways. Like screen time is more of a, a sedentary lifestyle type thing is like, are you, spending all day every day in front of a screen whether it's your phone whether it's a tv or at work computer and then content is a big part of where what we grew up so like mortal Kombat shows up and everyone is up in arms because they're worried that we're going to start ripping each other's arms off and beating your opponent with it 
doom and all that stuff yeah doom um like even even the music right rap music and wa like that's big that's a content thing yeah and then and now social media is a different totally different beast because of the whole like persuasive nature of it so persuasive nature you mean like the addictive nature yeah yeah it beckons you right it's it's designed to beckon you and that was like the uh, the social dilemma kind of like showed that that film it showed that really well how that does that and that's right, not and that, even, that's that's not even an issue just for just for youth but no no it is every it is everything but it is something that you've like observed so in ten years of teaching it's something that you observe and you can't really put a finger on it like you have these thoughts and these feelings about like attention issues or attention deficit. Um, and, and it's like, and you can kind of observe it passively because you're standing in front of 28 kids every day. And then that's what I kind of really liked about the social dilemma thing is it was able to, like, there was, wasn't any kind of major revelations as long as you're, you've been a conscientious observer of the world since like the, in the discussion about social media, because I do think that's part of the thing is that, that movie put it in the most explainable way that I've ever seen with where they had the characters that were like behind the behind, like they gave the, the algorithms that run social media. Yeah. Like the, the drama, like the movie part of it, the the dramatization of some of the concepts that they were trying to explain. Because it is a weird concept to like, I've, you know, yeah. Like you said, if you're a conscientious, server of the world you you might know these things already but i feel like the the danger or the the persuasiveness addictiveness of social media was something and the data collection issues was something that's re- was really hard to get people to understand yeah five years ago three years ago you know i yeah. would i i had trouble explaining it like i would listen to a podcast and be like oh my god this is a huge issue yeah and go to tell someone about it and they'd be like it's not an issue i don't care if they're collecting my data what is right that what do i have to hide yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. And I'd be like, I, if only I could explain it the way that it was explained to me, but I can't, you know. So anyway, yep. that's kind science of a bit communication, of right? That's that's why we're here right now, science communication and and like putting that. Apparently, I suck at it. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Well, it's, it's still early, right? And it's yeah. and the whole the whole thing is like having the conversation is the point, right? Um, is like, and I think that's a stance that I I kind of. You know, it's not something I advertise in some of the social studies classes I have, but it's in the back of my mind is if we can get, if I can get my students kind of interested in some capacity in a world outside of their own, like increase a worldview, then you are helping to create informed voters, um, which will eventually affect policy. Now, it's a lofty goal and it's very, like, I don't want to... Yeah, it's ideal on my own tires or anything because, like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to observe this effect. But I do feel like um, that's in part why this is a a topic that I'm very interested in because I do feel eventually we need to put some legislation into it. Like there, there is going, it's going to be a topic that people will have to vote on. Yeah. 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 So yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I mean, of course, like you should shoot for the ideals, like, you know, maybe I won't, maybe I'm not reaching this or maybe one student gets it or whatever, but that's, that's, it would be ridiculous to not do it because you, you know, that those are the shitty 
teachers, right? Well, I'm not going to yeah. make a difference anyway. Fuck it. Just, well, and it's genuinely it interesting too. It's easy to, I find it just genuinely interesting. Yeah. hundred percent. So you were saying though, um, that you can, so the social, the, the movie showed things that like, you know, if you, if you had been up to speed on this, it's not a new revelation no. that this is happening. But yeah, and I think a lot of people who do watch it will be able to be like, oh yeah, like I I have seen that. Like do you like w- you know our generation, we were old enough. Yeah, millennials. Yeah, I'm thirty. I'll be thirty seven in December. But I'll be thirty six. Yeah. July. So the the I'm pretty sure you could attest to observing a change in like the nature of play or social interaction. And the best anecdotal I have is like taking public transit where you were able to like ask a stranger on that bus, if this was your stop, if mm-hmm. you know, get a little bit of assistance and then, and then watching the iPod show up and now everyone is plugged in mm-hmm. and then they kind of look at you funny if you're asking for directions or whatever, cause they have to unplug and it's this big hassle. Yeah. And then like, and then you, it's like you understood it and you get Mm -hmm. it because you're old enough. Like I'm old enough to remember a world without the internet and young enough to have adopted it fully. Yes. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I'm just always like kind of wary of that. Um, well, I don't know. There's so many things there. Like, so the, the idea that, okay, well now that we all have devices, yeah, you know that's so something that people throw out all the time. It's like, well, now you, you look on the bus and everyone has, no one's talking to each other. But it's yeah. like, it's not like people were really like just chatting it up on the bus. No, definitely phones, not. But it's I mean? and it is. It's like conversation versus connection. So right. you know, and I think that's one thing that I've observed in students is they misconstrue conversation and connectivity. Um, they're like, and those are two different concepts like being connected to people is not your ability to converse with people and especially if there's like a level of anonymity to it whether you want it want it or not because we're separated and we're physically not in the same room together it does it it makes you uh, what's the word it's like you're more emboldened to do certain things well, yeah. I mean, this yeah, is what positive or negative sections and stuff like this, and the the the, the gross shit that people put yeah. <laughs> on the internet because they don't face the consequences. So this is the interesting thing to me, right? Because when we were talking about all these things, um, uh, I was like, okay, well, so what is it, right? Like, is it? And you kind of parsed it out at the beginning there that there's different elements to this you know content versus social media versus screen time and stuff like this so the data that like social dilemma and other things that have kind of like raised the alarm about youth mental health um is that there is data that shows from 2010 to 2018 like in a very large data set suicide uh, has gone up Depression, anxiety has gone up in adolescence. And I can't remember what the age range of adolescence is, but let's say like 10 to 17 or something, mm-hmm. yeah, something like that. Um, and there's other measurable indicators of, you know, a problem, a mental health problem in this age group. And it's gone up. 
yeah. quite drastically. Some of the numbers are, you know, the the levels of suicide or the rates of suicide, you know, four times as high as they were pre-2010, something like that. Yeah. So it's like, then the psychologist that I was reading, I was reading these papers, Jonathan Haidt is a guy that talks about this. He's done podcasts, he's written books. And so I started with him and then found a few other authors. I'll link them all on the, on the website. Um, but it was an interesting discussion about like, well, what is it and how exactly do we figure out, um, you know, what's going on? Cause you can look at the correlations of different factors. Right. And so that's what all these papers are trying to do because one of the early hypotheses was that it's technology, right? Yeah. Smartphones. Right. And it's, yeah, just, and there's and no evidence on like, there's no evidence that it is technology. Right. Well, there is um, some evidence, right? And that's what I was going to say. It's is, correlative, yeah. But it's correlative. And so actually, I was just like, I was reading some papers today, and yeah. I was, it's a lot of it is statistical methods, which I'm terrible at. I'm not a math guy, but it's yeah. like you can kind of get that. And there, you, there, there's big discussions going on in this space of like, because some authors found, uh, you know, technology use or smartphone use or something like that being correlated with this rise in mental health. But then other ones did another an analysis and they were like, well, it doesn't account for the the increase, you know, like all there's all these different methods you could use. So that's part of the discussion is that there was ambiguity in whether it was an issue. I think it's becoming more clear that it is. There's a yeah. correlation there. But so then yeah. that, that's, that's what I was going to go with here is you know, what my next question was, well, why, what is it about the technology that would theoretically, or, you know, you would have a hypothesis that it yeah. would decrease mental health. Right. And yeah, that's, the th I think the theory and the theory that I've, I've somewhat observed is, and I mean, you know, even just being a phys ed teacher, right. That's an excellent place to observe social anxiety. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like that is a very that's a hotbed of social anxiety and <laughs> and just watching it change. And then even just comparing it to when I was a kid in phys ed. Now, obviously, my personal story is a somewhat different having like phys ed was a safe space for me, but it's not a safe space for everyone. And it's becoming less of and less of a safe space because of the level of anxiety that students uh, demonstrate in class. And the theory is that they are they're It's like they're less willing to take risks where they will fail or right. seemingly fail. So, and it's kind of difficult when you're asking them to do like gross motor skills, or if you frame it under sports, you know, not everyone's going to be good at everything. And all we want them to do is try and get better at this place, but that requires failing and it requires failing in front of other people. And yeah. so social media, when it comes to perpetuating an edited version of yourself out online and then trying to live up to that edited version of yourself in real life. Mm -hmm whether they realize it or not is becoming very difficult and it's like quantifiable popularity. I have this many followers. I have this many friends. So like now you're able to number of likes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're able to actually discern popularity and it's like, you know, there's always going to be popular kids. Like that's always going to be, you know, people who have leadership qualities or gravitas yeah. 
and you know people are drawn towards them but now yeah. it's like now it's based on numbers and so like and i mean I'm, i don't know i don't have the numbers offhand but i'm sure there's science out there i've heard stats like you know kids are engaging in less and less risk taking behavior mm-hmm. they're you know they're they're not having sex anymore they're not experimenting with drugs anymore um Could and be good things it could be, yeah, it could be good things for sure. It, uh, it definitely, it sounds like great things, but if it's because they're afraid, if it's the anxiety portion of it, and then the anxiety is leading to other things, like you need to be perfect. There's this yeah. idea of having to be perfect all the time. So academically, kids are doing better. But then yeah. when they don't achieve those goals, they're handling it worse. Right. Like when they do fail a test, they handle it worse. Right. There's like panic attacks. Like there's students, witness students having panic attacks. Yeah. At, in a test, you know, and Which there's like, yeah, I, I've never, I didn't observe it. And I mean, you've, you've always had test anxiety. Yeah. Like there's always kids who are like freaking out because normally it's because they didn't study and they understand that they're going to do bad and that it's just a normal amount of anxiety towards a, a standardized test. Yeah, but there's kids who are actually having panic attacks. They need to leave the building, and kids who are having panic attacks in gym class, mm. where or they can't so or they don't want to socially interact. Like asking them to join a group, like make a group of five so that we can play this invasion game. Yeah, um, and observing that um, the the nature of play has changed. Mm-hmm. Well, and so that's yeah. an interesting part of this discussion too, that I ended up, you know, going down a wormhole when going through some, some of these papers and stuff. And it was also brought on by um, my lovely wife, Teresa, who studies play behavior uh, as her career. That's what she does. Yeah. And she sent me a really interesting paper that was, they decline. this was written in 2014. So in the middle of this whole you know, same thing, the, the realizing that there was an increase in these rates of mental mental health issues in young adults, adolescents. Um, but it was the decline in play as a factor that goes into this um, mental health stuff. So social media aside, right? And But I think that, like, let's talk about play here for a second and then yeah. we can maybe see where all of these things come together because decline in play, a lot of the research that they were talking about that we're citing in this paper was from the early 2000s. So this is before social media. This is before uh, smartphone use was pervasive. Like smart, I think it's the data I saw was like by 2012, like 50% of uh, Americans will say had a smartphone. And by like 2013, 2014, it was like 90% of junior high and high school students had had a smartphone right so that's a bit you know that's a bit before this where this play research is kind of coming from but it was talking about exactly these things that play has changed become more structured so when it does not only has it decreased over time um it's also become more structured so adult right. driven right where there's the adults are telling you the rules whether it's sports or whatever yeah something supervised by adults even, that kind of thing. And the argument is that, you know, evolutionarily, we, yeah. you, you learn to socialize, you learn to interact. We're social creatures. That's how we grew up or yeah. we evolved. 
um, that this is where you learn those important social skills is through play and also some kind of resiliency to negative social stimulus and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so the, you know, they look at the hunter gatherer tribes, which is basically our best proxy of what we were like before agriculture. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and those kids play all day. That's all they fucking do is play in the yeah. wood, you know, like just, that's all they do is play. Yeah, with a stick. Yeah, exactly. Until they're yeah. like 13, 14, you know, that kind of thing. And then as puberty comes in, there's different roles that they have to take and, and, and stuff like that. But it's all play. And if you looked at they were like, okay, so we don't have a lot of data for like Western civilization, we'll call it. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until really the beginning of the 20th century, mid 20th century, so early 1900s to 1950s, when children were like free from labor, so, so they didn't yeah. they didn't have to work <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, work on the farm or work in the factories or whatever. And yeah. schooling hadn't become such a big part of life yet. So there like was like an institution. Yeah, yeah. Well, it just didn't take up as much of their time. Right. So yeah. there was this window, and and they said this is when you saw you know, especially the 1950s with the birth of the suburbs and stuff, you saw this like in society, playgrounds, you know, people started building playgrounds all over the place in, yeah. in neighborhoods and stuff like this. And it was like, it wasn't that long ago in like the eighties and stuff like this, where you would just go in a neighborhood and you would just see packs of kids, you know, just running around, doing yeah. it, you know? And it's like, and that was good. That was good apparently for for the mental health and then you get as you get into the 80s 90s and so on and so on and so on that yeah. unstructured you know, play free play i think the researchers call it has yeah. declined dramatically um and even the interesting thing is when they talk to the the parents they'll be like they'll do surveys with parents and be like do you notice that your kids play less than you played when you were a kid yeah. and they're like yes yes i know that and they're like, do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Well, no, it's a bad thing. I think kids should be playing and doing that stuff. Yeah. So now that you know that it's happening less and you agree that it's a good, it's not a good thing, yeah. why don't you encourage them to do it more? And there was the top three answers were um, fear of predation, molestation, and right, yeah. traffic, you know, getting hit by a car or something. Yeah. Which the only one I can really kind of understand is – uh, well, I mean, I can understand all three, but traffic, you know, because the other two, all the stats show are incredibly rare. It is incredibly yeah. rare that a kid just gets snatched off the street. Yeah. And do you know things. how many 11 year olds or nine year olds or 12 year olds, like these young kids who have a cell phone and it's because their parents gave it to them because their parents are afraid that their kid is going to get in trouble and, and need that phone. And yeah. it's like a lifeline. I remember when we first got my cell phone, first cell phone, it was an electronic leash. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was the framing of it is like all of a sudden now mom and dad can find me wherever I am. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Boo. That sucks. I'm reachable. I'm contactable. Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't answer your phone, you got into trouble. Yeah. 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 So this I think is an interesting component here because and this is what some of the data on social media use is trying to parse out as well, or some of the research into it is like, 
So this lack of play, let's say that this lack of play, this lack of face-to-face social interaction, this in, especially yeah. in these critical windows of development and stuff like that, that's going away for some reasons. What is it getting replaced with? Right. Yeah. Well, the other interesting thing that actually came up with in this in this paper, I wanted to say is they were interviewing kids, um, and the survey was completed on the internet. So these kids were savvy. Yeah. They were they were computer savvy. They played computer games. This was in like early two thousand nineties, something like this. So it's it wasn't like it was before all of the media. It was a, it was before really the social media and stuff. But when they asked kids um, what their favorite thing to do was it was play yeah. outside like across the board you know yeah so it was like even kids who don't get it as much as they used to like it's like an ingrained thing that kids yeah. love to do that shit um so yeah so now that we're like doing that like now they have more structured after school activities and there's this pressure for, like you said for academics so they're doing better at academics and stuff and there's more pressure there but yeah. without this unstructured sort of play and learning to have these social interactions what are they replacing that with and that's what they got to me thinking that it's like okay well then yeah social media can become a proxy for for some of that stuff yeah but um, and there's science too saying that like the the one of the most reported mental health illness situations is loneliness yeah and so if loneliness is going up yet the argument for social media is connectivity well, there's obviously a difference between the conversation and the connection that mm-hmm. social media um, offers. You right yeah. when people start collecting friends like stamps, and it's they're less connected to those people. You know, and could you imagine in a situation nowadays where you know you had a kid go to a stranger's house like you've observed in the block in your suburb on the cul-de-sac you know you watch this new family move in and there's a kid that's roughly your age and then you decide to go to that house knock on the door and say hey do you want to come and play street hockey yeah like i don't i don't really i don't think that happens i really don't think that happens anymore and i don't have i don't have kids of my own yeah but I, I know that even in gym class, they're not doing that. They're not going to go to somebody uh, who's sitting out, who's afraid to interject themselves into any kind of game that's being played. And they're not, they're less inviting and they're less seeking. Like they're the, the level of anxiety towards interjecting themselves into, and they're not even like, they might be strangers. They're, they're de- they may not be friends, but they definitely know each other. They're in the same class. They're in the same class. They're in the same school. But, you know, to talk to them uh, or text them or to, you know, or, or you know, hide behind an, an avatar, uh, they're far more willing to do that. Like, they'll go online and play with anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which could also, you could probably make an argument, is more dangerous than playing yeah. with kids in the, in the park you know, across the street from your house or a couple blocks away from your house. Because I mean, the, the, the unfortunate fact, I think when you look at, um, you know, predation, yeah, children and stuff, it's like the internet is the, that's the, yeah. I, they're not at the playground. They're not yeah. at the playground. They're, they're online. Getting, they're getting groomed online by, you know, yeah. where they get, you know, they think they're talking to another 13 year old and then it's actually some fucking 45 year old, you know, predator on the other end. 
Um, yeah, and I, don't have the I mean, that's like that, so Chris Hansen. That's Chris Hansen to catch a predator in a nutshell. The whole yeah. thing is like done online. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's 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 kind of counterintuitive, but they so yeah. there is. You're right. There is data that, and this is what like was really interesting to me was like, what is it? What is it about the technology? You know, if it, if there's this correlation, what is it about the technology that's that's harming you know the kids or the development and stuff and i think a lot of it comes down to well you said there's you you made an important point i think where it's like there is this ideal you know you put this idealized version of yourself out there and the nature of the communication so i think that that that's part of it so part of it is the nature of the communication the nature of the medium we'll say yeah um the fact that it's not a face-to-face medium um and that it's taking away from time doing the other things that are more you know psychologically nurturing because that was one thing that popped out in in some of the data i saw was it even the kids who didn't rate as high on social media use right were also suffering the effects uh the mental health effects because they have less people to talk face to face with you know everyone's online and you don't want to be online you're not only are you missing out on the 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 conversation but there's also no one to like if you're the guy that wants to or gal that wants to go out and do stuff face to face but nobody's less people or you're the or you're weird for wanting to do that yeah 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 you know these people normally would be heralded for their social skills and their ability to go and talk to strangers and conduct themselves with adults like even kids who are able to like handle themselves in an adult conversations or hang out with adults um is something that i talk about with my friends and then yeah you you are the one who is ostracized for having those types of social skills there was this group that came through uh our school called dare to care and they focused on bullying it was a professional development opportunity and they said one of the things that they were able to attract and and like learn through science is that victims of bullying have certain traits and one of the biggest traits that a victim of bullying has is a a lack of social skills or an inability to read nonverbal social interactions like Mm -hmm. to be able to observe someone and understand where they're coming from so that's like that's an observable trait that a lot of victims of bullying have and and i asked the presenters like well have we noticed you know, an increased rate of bullying then, knowing that the nature of play has changed to more of a screen-oriented or an online-oriented social interaction, which would make it really hard to, you know, learn to react to nonverbal cues. And they said that, there. she said she didn't have any science or data to, like, connect the two. Mm-hmm. I do think that there's a logical thought path there. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, you could build and it's like, on that for sure. For sure. And then there are, but it also might mean that just because there's more potential victims, that there isn't more bullies. And so maybe well, that's why. Also, if the bullies are also lacking in these skills. Yeah. You know, it is interesting to see. So the bullies, one of the things that were bully all these kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one of the things is like obviously bu- the nature of bullying has changed too because it's moved into like a, the cyberspace and 
you know, that's where a lot of kids are hanging out, but it's, it's like the bull, the, one of the things that the bullies had, one of their observable traits is like a lack of empathy Mm -hmm. and empathy is really hard to develop through a screen. Like empathy is really hard to develop if you're not making connections well, like conversation is one thing of your of your negative shit that you said you don't feel the consequence of it because you don't see the person cry you don't see their right. their face drop you know like those social cues if you yeah. don't see that then you you don't learn that you're <laughs> that you're a monster yeah exactly there's also like i also uh read a study too long a long time ago about how they looked at the literacy rates of death row inmates and it, they were like it's next to none and and then they went down through the system, the the like the prison system, and just observed literacy rates among different types or of criminals. And they found that there was like a correlation between literacy and like heinous crimes hmm. or the lack of literacy and heinous crimes. And one of the theories was when you read, you use your imagination to put yourself in the character's shoes because mm-hmm. you're getting descriptions and you're and you're like you're having a setting or a scene it's being developed to a point but you're you're like you're making the pictures in your head and that you could develop empathy that way and like and then the the level of recreational reading that we observe in kids nowadays is pretty much non-existent like and how does a book comp- compete with video games like how I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I can't remember like traveling is when I read the most or, and like reading for pleasure versus reading for school. So if there's an emphasis on perfection and kids have an opportunity to read, they're like reading textbooks. Yeah. So again, like I, it's just a, it's a correlation and it's a, an observable thing where I, I don't know. And I haven't really polled a ton of students, but I wouldn't be shocked if very few of them, read for fun red books for fun yeah. yeah 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 that's an interesting one and the video game thing is interesting because it's like we haven't really talked about it and it doesn't really fit in with the social media category no. say. but i feel like it's like they get demonized a lot but i wonder if it's the same like this is kind of a bit off topic of what we were yeah. intending to talk about but i think it's it's an interesting one because um well, i think it just goes to screen time well, screen time, right? So then you're yeah. taking away from these other things. But right, you, I all. could see how with a video game and an immersive video game, let's say, yeah, you could learn empathy. You could see empathy. There might be demonstrations of empathy in the game, but the imaginative side of it isn't there. It's like you're playing within the confines of the game. The game designers... The writers, they're telling you your world. They're showing you what the world's supposed to look like. And they even give you bits of dialogue to use so that you can choose to be empathetic or not. So I don't know how much of it is being learned when the point is the imagination. Like if your imagination is helping you put yourself in these characters' shoes. So I think within a video game or a movie, you can observe empathy but you're not participating in it. Mm. But even in like a, you know, a game where you're moving through a world and if you do something to other characters, they get upset. You know, I guess it's because it's not another human. Yeah, you're not feeling it. Like if I'm going around killing people, I don't feel it. 
Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm doing, I'm trying to do things that yeah. I would never do in real life because it's, that's the point. Yeah. And I think I saw one of these, um, one of these shows on Netflix that was, they did a series recently about video games and they went back and looked at like these different big yeah. answers in video games because it's such a big culture and stuff now. And that was yeah. one of the things, one of the early developers of one of these like role playing games, um, found is that the first one that he made he thought it was yeah. going to be like oh people are going to like they're going to do the noble thing and they're going to do this quest and stuff and he's like and yeah. instantly people found that the easiest way to do the game was just to cheat all the other characters and you know be an asshole and go right and in his next iterations of games he actually built in punishments for being an asshole so right. other yeah. characters wouldn't work with you you it would be more yeah. difficult to, to complete the challenges because you couldn't get the help that you needed. Yeah. But punishment just teaches you how not to get caught. Yeah. 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 But it's just interesting that they did. It's like, that's the human psychology in a game was just. Now to bring that back, that idea of like the worst of us and bring that back to the whole social media conversation. It's like social media is designed to be dramatic and engaging. And that's part of the whole wormhole algorithm that you learn about in the social media thing is that you are like when you're on social media or you're flipping through, let's use, let's just use Instagram. Cause like, I think that's the one that, that my student population uses the most. Instagram, and I, this, I think are going to be the most used. On- yeah. TikTok. And I think even like Snapchat is slowly being taken over by TikTok, yeah. but Instagram, TikTok, those are the big ones. Yeah. And they're using, so then you have your explore option and the things that they're offering up are becoming more and more radical because radical is engaging. And that's the point of the algorithm as far as when they're choosing YouTube, like what they recommend or what Facebook recommends or all of them use the same iteration of this similar algorithm where they try to engage you to spend more time looking at the screen by using increasingly radical dramatic things when it's and that's the interesting thing too to point out here though is that it it is an algorithm so it's not like it's not like it was designed to be like hey let's show them the most radical shit because that's what's going to keep them here the longest it just developed that way it just evolved that way that it's like hey we're going to use this algorithm that's going to calculate all the data as to what if you like this video what is or this content what content will also keep you engaged more and it's so yeah. as it turns out it's the worst of us like it's, it's the it's fucking it, radical shit yeah 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 it brings out and and i mean like we're all simple like i don't think it's, it's human psychology it's human psychology yeah it's like i would never do this in real life so here's an opportunity to observe it or to play it out yeah. and it's like to play a villain is it, that's an interesting concept because you don't really want to do that in real life and so i understand why it's engaging like I understand, but it's even it's not even so much like yeah, like the okay the villain thing, but it's yeah. also emotions that will that will trigger you, right? Like, yeah, outrage, uh, drama, drama, it's just drama. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and then that's something that I've observed in kids too is like students who have very little to do as far as extracurricular mm-hmm. are the ones that are most susceptible to drama so Mm -hmm. they're the ones that get the most outraged 
when one of their friends decides to go eat lunch with somebody else. Right. And then that gets exacerbated into major issues because they're seeking drama in an otherwise mundane. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm jumping to conclusions here, but I, th- I don't think it's a huge leap to think that these people who are, it's, it's like recreational outrage. I call it recreational outrage. Yeah. I don't think I've coined the term. I've, I've probably come across that picked somewhere, somewhere yeah. picked it up somewhere, but it's, you know, and you see social media in that regard too. So trolling, yeah. like having kids, like students will herald trollers. Like these are like, they're idolized their ability to troll. And then you ask them about it. It's like, so you really like this, this person's ability to enrage people. So you like, you have a, like, in a way it's a bully Like you really enjoy this online bully because of their ability to enrage. It's like, Oh, well, yeah, the guy, the, the guy's funny. It's kind of funny Yeah. To, to who, to you. Or to the person getting trolled. But think about that. Like, think about what we, some of the shit that we grew up on that yeah. like blew up when we were in sort of these years. Jackass, Tom yeah. Green, you know, this shock prank humor. It's kind of the same shit. Do you, well, I mean, the shock thing was more them shocking themselves. No, no, no. It's like, they were going and like making other people uncomfortable. Doing this weird shit in public or like interviewing them and, you know, yeah, the jackass. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of self-harm, which was hilarious. Yeah. That's always funny. <laughs> yeah. But also like when they would go to a store and be so ridiculous, you know, in a yeah. costume or something. And, and that was the joke was that like the employees would be like, get out of here. You, what are you doing? You fucking, you know, and you would yeah. outrage them. So you're trolling them like. They did that one where they blew the air horns with the guys golfing. I mean, that's trolling. So maybe the, that like the celebrity, I mean, and so the whole celebrity people like that, that is funny. Oh yeah. I get it. Definitely. Yeah. I get that. And and I just feel like the extent of it though has, and I mean, again, the nature has kind of changed a little bit with the whole social media thing. It's it's not just media. You control again without, consequences like at least the jackass guys they yeah. would people would try and beat them up or they'd have to run away or you know yeah, they get like fined or, or imprisoned yeah, yeah verbally berated like in person by somebody yeah. like some of the shit that tom green would do like <laughs> yeah but he was yeah. he was you know he was paying the cost we'll say whereas yeah on online there's no there's none of that cue there's none of that back and forth yeah. right it's it's just i it, it astounds me at how easy it is mm-hmm. it's so easy that it's people are almost encouraged to do it right i mean maybe encouraged might be the wrong word but it's like if you know that this person gets laughs by saying terrible things to people then you're able to easily do that mimic it, online yeah. yeah it's it because it's nothing it's really nothing yeah. 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 So, and that's another thing that I've observed in students is like the willingness for celebrity on social media is like the things that they'll do hmm. for like to, to gain likes, to have a quantifiable level of popularity. Um, and it's like, it's a goal now for some people too is, or, and, and it's been made into career paths is so like yeah. thinking about the, you know, the ethics or morality of influencers 
Yeah. Um, or the idea of, you know, game design, it, mo- mobile game design of being like how addictive is too addictive. Like these are conversations that are that are having and then students not necessarily realizing that, it, it, you know, re- realizing that this is it's really tough this would be a really tough career path to go down to. Yeah, and yeah. like, you're going to have to like, you know, at what point, like where's the dignity is like, if I can get a million likes by standing there and just getting kicked in the nuts, you know, what's, where's your <laughs> giggling like, already, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you know, like, and so like you have students who are willing to do these things mm-hmm. for some online notoriety. And there was like that Timothy Caulfield guy, uh, who is a U of A professor mm-hmm. who talks about how, you know, social media, you know, okay, let's go back to tribal humanity and evaluate the need for celebrity in mm-hmm. human evolution and mm-hmm. human evolution. It used to, celebrities used to be like the best healers, the best hunters, the best leaders. And that therefore within human evolution to idolize these people and want to be like them because it bettered your community mm-hmm. is that makes sense. But now what celebrity is and what's evolved to doesn't necessarily better our community. Um, and the social media just becomes a social comparison machine. So Mm -hmm. it used to be that you would go around and you would compare yourself to people just within your immediate community. Um, and now you're comparing yourself to people who are like millions and millions of people online and you might then decide, you know what, I don't stack up in many ways at all. And then that is going to affect a mental health issue or, you know, this, especially among teens who are already struggling with trying to find an identity and an autonomy and knowing that through and flooded like. flooded with hormones, like that, that and flooded, period yeah, of life is already. hormone-soaked brains. Yeah. Their yeah. hormone-soaked brains have designed them to be more risk-taking so that they are willing to take risks at, and self-discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's not an excuse for doing terrible stuff, but it, it does, for me personally, when I remind myself of that fact, it adds patience. It gives me a little bit of patience when dealing with teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you, it makes them very susceptible to trends because they want to wean themselves from their parents or their older peers, like teachers, parents, and then they look for leadership among the community. And so it's always like their peers and their peers are going through the exact same situation. So in a way, it's the blind leading the blind. <laughs> and then that's what makes them very susceptible to trends. And like even just thinking back to when I was a teenager, like dyeing my hair purple, mm-hmm. going through fashion trends you know, the wallet chains, the pants that are like, despite being like enjoying being physically active and wearing pants that were so big, you couldn't run in them. Yeah. Like it was counterintuitive to what I thought, <laughs> like who I was yeah, yeah, and my yeah. own personal identity. But I went along with what everyone was doing in peers. And so I do feel like there's, when it comes to the social comparison machines that, that is social media, that ad- adults need to be very cognizant of that when their teenagers are on social media. And and when I have t- these types of conversations with my students in health class or social studies, it's really hard not to preach from mm-hmm. a moral high ground. Mm-hmm. And it's really, you know, it's like we all use social media 
it's, I don't want you to feel bad for using social media, but I just want you to look at it through this, you know, through a certain lens. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're educated in such a way that you can look at the good and discern the bad, understand the opportunities for being manipulated or being like the whole attention seeking or addiction or whatever it is, then you're able to better navigate it in a more healthy way. Yeah, I think. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was pretty excited to come on the podcast and have this conversation is I think we need to start thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's an interesting place to go then too. It's like, what do we do? Right. And I like, nobody has concrete answers, but I think it's interesting, you know, some of the notes I had when I was reading, you know, before coming on the, on the podcast here was, you know, so we know that we know what kids are lacking. We know that there's this interaction play, whatever that that's decreasing and it's being replaced by something else. So screen time, social media, that kind of stuff. We know that the social media connectivity is not the same. same. It's not. Yeah. yeah, You don't. And actually there was another data point that I'll point out. Um, Again, when they were like, you know, I've basically followed this series of papers from this one psychologist that was just like, she was asking the same questions I was as I was reading it. Right. It was like correlation. Is it technology? Some people say yes. Some people say no. How do we fake? How do we tease that out? Okay, we can say that it's probably technology. Why is it technology? What about technology? You know, so you went through this whole thing and they did. They were able to show that social media use is linked to feeling depressed. Yeah, like it's they, they they did a number two or three different studies where things like tracking and obviously every study has its strengths and limitations and caveats and all this shit but things like um getting one group of people to abstain from facebook and the other group maintain their their use whatever their use was you know and then you met like they're the same types of people blah 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 try and match all the factors you can right people who got off facebook felt better they reported my mood is better. Everything's better, y'all. And the other people, it yeah. stayed the same. And same sorts of things. You could manipulate social media use, and when you did, more social media use was always linked to feeling shittier. So yeah. there's there's something there that it's like it is kind of a yeah. Talk. And like, like who? And again, like it, this is presumptive, but I would argue, in my observations, the kids use social media more than anyone. Yeah, probably. Yeah, like t- so and this is an interesting observable thing is TikTok. Mm-hmm. Kids dancing. And I think it's amazing yeah. that we've got kids dancing. Yeah. But you can't get them to go to a junior high dance. My school stopped doing it years ago. We tried to host like junior high dances and like when I was in junior high, that was my bread and butter. Yeah. I showed up trying to dance because I I understood that I was you know, it's like I was one of the few people that grew up dancing. Like mom had us dancing. She was dancing in the kitchen all the time, yeah, yeah, and yeah. like two-stepping and all that. So it's like I felt I had a bit of an advantage. Mm-hmm. So kids now are dancing and it's complicated, complicated choreography. And they're arguably way better dancers. 
but you cannot get them to do it as a group in front of people and especially people that they don't like seem at or deem as friends. And then, but yet they're doing it for hundreds of thousands of followers online. Yeah. Anonymously. But it's also the thing. And somebody pointed out, it's like, well, they practice those dances for hours. They practice and practice and practice for hours. Perfect. They get good at it. And then they post it. Yeah. And so it goes back to this whole idea of putting out an edited version of yourself. So yeah. there is no free free dance. Like you can't put on a song and get them to dance to any song, but they know the dances to certain songs. Right. Because it's been practiced and choreographed. Well, and this kind of correlates too to the the like the yeah. structured play versus free play, right? And it's yeah. like in the free play, the kids are learning like if I do this, the other person does this and that either is good or bad. They liked it. I didn't like, you know, that kind of thing. And same, like I could dance, but I agree. Like, yeah, junior high dances was a chance to be out of supervision. You know, there were chaperones and stuff, but the room's dark. You could do, you know, you could get close to girls, you know, (laughs) it was like, totally. Yeah. But it was nerve wracking. No one's getting close. Yeah. But it was nerve wracking though too, right? Like you're nervous, like, Oh, should I ask her to dance or blah, 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 all that stuff. And so you're navigating that world. But there's yeah. an agreement to going out that's established. To, no, there's an agreement towards like asking out somebody else or like to take on a romantic relationship that's made online before it's ever encountered in person. Well, I wonder though, like, because in junior high, people would do that in our day. We would just paper do notes? paper notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, yeah, I thought about that too. But it's even like when I pass a note to the girl across the you class, can see what she's I'm watching them. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching their reactions. I'm watching their head just drop. They're like, oh, yeah. We'll right. And then that makes me feel a certain way. Yeah. And then they start showing everyone. <laughs> right. There's still a risk. Yeah. There's still a risk involved. But now it's like, and I mean, I wonder if, because that's something else that I kind of missed is like the online dating thing. So I, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, too. I kind of miss that. I haven't really, and I, you know, I've got no negative opinions on it. I think it's an excellent opportunity, but I do feel it's different in adults than it is in kids, especially kids who are tr- developmentally trying to learn social skills and mm-hmm. like they're primed for that kind of stuff. So it is, it's an interesting, like I said, the level of social anxiety that I witness and that has changed over the last 10 years, I think is observable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that idea of being able to like curate it and then send it out, you know. Edited versions. Right? It's just like so edited versions of themselves. There's that and 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 we were just talking about um the risk, right? Like the risk of like getting rejected in person yeah. or via note that where you can still see that they are rejecting you, you know. There's risks yeah. there, right? But I wonder there's part of it is all like that the risk, the risk in social media, there's also a risk to getting rejected. There's still a risk. And you could maybe make a case that there's a bigger risk because your failure could be projected also on social media, right? Oh, I I definitely agree that that feeds kids' anxieties is like I'm no longer willing 
to put myself out there in gym class or a junior high dance Someone because someone's going to record it. Yeah. yeah. Someone's yeah. going to record it. And now my mistakes, you know, and they're the same types of mistakes that every kid that age had made that you yeah. and I made when we were that age. Like they're just socially awkward, you know, thoughtless, stupid mistakes that everyone makes yeah. that will, but that you'd usually be able to like atone for mm-hmm. and, for, and then eventually forget about and move on from, but now they are living forever on social media in the cloud and just ready to be lorded over you at any one moment. And that's something that kids would definitely do. Like if you make a mistake in junior high, everyone will know about it mm-hmm. and it'll be a hard time living it down because it, there's a possibility that it never goes away. And that record, would definitely yeah. add to anxiety. Right. Yeah. So I would definitely not, you know, unless I know that this dance, that this TikTok dance is fantastic and I'm really good at it, I'm definitely not going to put it out there. Right. But then think of it too as the, you know, the, you do put all this work in, you do do the practice, yeah. you do, you know, spend an inordinate amount of time and invest in this thing to put it out there yeah. to get the likes and then you don't get the likes. And it's not even like you fucked it up or anything. It's just, you just, yeah, you know, whatever it is. Maybe, I'm curious. You know, yeah. Like, I'm curious though. Like if those kids though, they are obviously selecting their social circle online. Like they have certain followers. So maybe, you know, maybe that plays into it too. It's like, I only have people who are following me that can't like watching a kid go through their Instagram and liking everything yeah. it's blinding thumb speed just like pop up pop up double tap double tap double tap like double everything. tap see i'm stingy yeah. with likes i don't give likes to anybody yeah me you put too. I want my likes to be like valued <laughs> actually there's you know we'll 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 keep it nameless here but we you and i both know someone who like i mentioned to them publicly oh i saw that picture you posted i really like it it was a good picture and then the retort was well, you didn't like it. Like you didn't like, like it online. Yeah. I was like, well, no, I'm just, I'm just I'm telling, telling you now. right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it didn't like me verbally telling them it meant less yeah. than having that quantifiable like. Wow. Yeah. And it was like, I was a little put back. And then that made me want to be even more stingy yeah. with my likes. My likes are going to be worth, there's going to be a weight and a value to them. Yeah. I st- I don't like things on Instagram and stuff or very few things on it because it feeds the algorithm to know more yeah. about me and I want to be as anonymous as possible. Yeah, I want to get outside of my filter bubbles as well. Yeah. I go and I I try to like even just delete my cache as often as possible yeah. so yeah, that yeah. you know you get outside of your filter bubbles too. Yeah, I don't like I mean I the my use of social media I think is different than a kid than a kid. Right. Like I don't have cable, so I I follow the NBA so that I can get all kinds of news right. and highlights and stuff. Well, and I think then that's the interesting thing and maybe we can turn this into like what do we do? What are solutions? What do we talk to kids about? Because the yeah. the motivation behind your use was another thing that came up in some of the research right and i feel like yeah and i feel like this is something where it's like you and i millennial guys um treat social media differently and that's not to again be like we're better than you know we're not we're immune to these things because 100 percent, you know we're yeah we're not 
you know, we're just like everybody else. But I mean, I very rarely post pictures on my personal Instagram. I have one for the podcast where I try and, of course, I'm trying to engage people there. I want people to listen. That's, you know. Yeah, right. It's a, it's a advertising tool. But my personal one, it's like, I look at it and it's like the last time I posted a picture was probably six months ago. And before that was probably like six months before that. And it's just like, that's not what I use it for. I'm not using it to stay in touch with people. I'm not using kind of, you know. But it's more of voyeuristic. You don't contribute. I don't contribute. It's more voyeuristic. But even then, my Instagram feed yeah. is memes. Like it's it's my friends, sure, and I'll see the, yeah, yeah. what they're doing and their kids or whatever, you know. But they don't get yeah. likes. Sorry, it's not you guys. I just don't want to get you know fuck up my my algorithm. The algorithm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but uh, but it's memes, right? Like it's just like. That's all it is. Yeah. So it's jokes. So for me, Instagram is just funny jokes. And I feel like that's, I mean, kids, I'm sure are, are using it for that too, but they're also totally. using it more in a look at me, look at, yeah. And did you see what so-and-so posted? Oh, she liked your picture. That's got to be, you know, like yeah. this kind of stuff, right? There's so- interesting like social science done on like gossip too and mm. how like uh, how that helps build a community. Yeah. And so like the gossip's role in relationships and understanding hierarchies and it has an important role to play in a social dynamic within a community, the community being it could be peers, it could be the office, it could like there's lots of communities that we all participate in, but even just like gossip has a, an element to it. Now, I wonder how social media would affect that dynamic of community or community building mm-hmm. because it's gossip could spread like wirefire and it's like and it'll be anonymous so yeah. it might just affect the types of gossip that get perpetuated like it would be more just the heinous stuff and it would be so easy to take for like to understand that it might be just true like to take it for truth instead of like if two people are whispering next to a water cooler there's, I think there's a level of skepticism that goes into that type of conversation as opposed to you reading it on a social media feed, looking at, you know, hundreds of people have read it too. Yeah. 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 How many views it has. And then that giving it weight. Yeah. That's a good point. I think I wonder, and I wonder, like, I don't know, I don't know the science behind any of that, but I just feel like it's, it's easy to draw, connect dots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even if it is speculation yeah 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 no, no i mean like again it's like these would be what you would this is the kind of stuff that you would build a hypothesis on that you would then try and test right so it's yeah. based on the data we have and what we're seeing it's like what you're saying makes sense and it would be yeah an, you could see it being as uh, the thing so so then yeah so then it's like use right like so what are the appropriate what you know what is a good use of this well, that, stuff, so the, there's a conversation had at the end of that of the social dilemma where they do have some ideas on how they could better handle the situation. Mm. Like essentially, they they say the genie's out of the lamp. Like there's no putting it back. Mm-hmm. So now we just have to educate ourselves on how to best use it. And I was I met with some buddies last night, and I kind of had this conversation with them too. And some of them didn't want to watch the documentary because they were afraid that it was, it was just going to be doom and gloom. 
and that they didn't want to really feel that way, especially come like COVID days and there's enough anxiety and like yeah, depressive yeah. things going on right now. I feel like some people but, though too probably don't want to see their own behavior reflected in that way. I know it's something I, that's And I get that. Yeah. Right. And that's why having this conversation with teenagers is sometimes difficult because like I have had this conversation two years ago with a group of, with my homeroom mm-hmm. and there were some, there was two grade nine girls who went and to, like basically told their parents that I publicly shamed them in front of everyone. Ugh. And I never once got specific with any of them. And the only reason I found out about this is because it came up in a parent teacher interview mm. and, and one dynamic for one girl, the dad was, was like, you keep doing this. You keep having these conversations. <laughs> and if she feels guilty, that's her own fault. Yeah. And like, thank you. Like he was like shaking my hand. And then uh, with the other girl, the mom was like, you can't, you can't do this. Like they're very fragile. Yeah. You can't really, these are tough conversations to have. You, you know, if you, you're starting to make them feel bad for their social media use. And it really opened my eyes to, it's like, well, maybe I have to, like these conversations are worthwhile mm-hmm. and they need to be had, but framing it in such a way that, I'm not coming from this condescending right. moral high ground. And, and I mean, there's even science on that. It's like, we can't, you can't use shame to mm-hmm. get people to, to buy into your idea. You use a little bit. You, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. There's an amount of shame. There's a time and a Good. place. <laughs> time and a place. Yeah. So like on one hand, it's like, I was glad that to a certain regard, these people are thinking about or self-reflecting mm-hmm on some of their own behaviors but you obviously can't take it so far that these kids are feeling attacked or feeling attacked yeah right and that's part and like that's part of the conversation i have with my friends where it's like there's going to come a day where their kid comes up to him and is like hey can i have a cell phone and you might say no i don't want like so or or hey can i have a instagram account or tiktok account mm-hmm. and you're like and they're like no you know, understanding that there are some complicated issues and there's some risks and rewards involved in there. But then when they go to school and everyone else has that account and now they're being bullied for not having an account Mm -hmm. there, that's a complicated issue too, because it requires the collective will of everyone. Of the community of the parents. yeah, Of the community of the parents to, to be like, you're either going to, ostracize your kid because you have a certain level of morals or ethics or aversion to certain things. Like when we were growing up, it was video games. We didn't have video games. Our parents were against video games. They wanted us to get outside and burn some energy. And and I mean, it it never manifested itself in bullying. No. But there's always going to be something, right? Yeah. And so like that's a complicated issue too where – I feel like if more people are having these types of conversations and then they can better evaluate or observe how social media is being used or what it's being used for. One of the things in the movie they mentioned is like, perhaps maybe there should be an age limit. Yeah. Like maybe we should look into like, we do it for other things. Alcohol, cigarettes. Yeah. Right. Driving a car. You know, it's hard enough being a teenager and, you know, on the path of self-discovery, looking for your own autonomy yeah. You know, and then to have a social comparison machine like the internet or social media, um, 
kind of like affecting that development in some way that that Leah Plunkett that Harvard University she said like when it comes to privacy and kids privacy is an interesting mm-hmm. like that's a whole nother avenue too yeah. it's like how much should kids be you know contributing to an online profile especially if eventually that is used against them in some way where it comes to like getting jobs or like in uh, getting certain types of insurance like and they also said like you know to to this to this leah plunkett um having a locus of self-discovery so going back to the whole social comparison machine and understanding that celebrity is ingrained in human evolution is like our kids actually becoming who they are or they're supposed to be because they're inundated uh, of like by by people by celebrity and they constantly try to be like others mm. um and so she felt like social media isn't necessary it's you know she wanted some place that protects your autonomy enough that you can discover who you are and who you're meant to be. That's her quote. Yeah. And that makes sense. And that like, so that's like that age limit thing, having an age limit thing on it makes sense because I look at it like that's basically what we had because it didn't exist until we were older, you know? So our relationship with social media is much different. I mean, it's it's still addictive. We still spend too much time on it. I still find myself in, you know, traps and bad behaviors. And I watched the movie and was like, shit guilty yeah i do that (laughs) you know guilty yeah Yeah. um but yeah it's not like i got it when i was already basically you know confident with who i was and and what i was and what i was doing and stuff you know so it's yeah yeah it's very different and i think that makes a lot of sense um so you know these are like some practical solutions but it's like in the bigger or like sorry more like acute like this is what this is an action we can take but i think like just like generally it's like what is it being used for and um understanding that it's not real you know like that it's like it's 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 not real interaction it's not like it is but it's not the same as it's not real connection it's not real connection we'll say that yeah. yeah um and you're not getting the things you 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 would need out of it that you would want that human communication and connection is supposed to give you um but then that's an interesting thing to try and talk to kids i think about because you don't think about well what is the purpose of playing and having fears you know you don't think about but and then um oh shit it's like the self-worth like i the self-worth that kids put into their online profile and how their Mm -hmm. self-worth is somehow attributed to like that's something that I've observed over 10 years of teaching too, is like that has gone up and up and up Yeah, is the level of self-worth that the kids have put into social media. And that's, that's how they use it differently than say you and I, Yeah, I don't give a shit how many followers I have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so when we started using social media and what we use it for, I think we already had an idea of our Mm self-worth. Yeah. Peer groups. We had friends We, yeah, 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 totally. Um, I had a thought and it's, I'm blanking on it. Oh, the, uh, the, one of the YouTube videos that you sent me it, the quote in this, it was like the, 
short little video about these problems kind of with animations but yeah, just, the innovation of loneliness yeah yeah and it was like yeah. they used it the, i share therefore i am and it's like so that oh, is yeah. your this is what your worth is and so i think that's a really important thing to you know maybe to to talk to kids about is that it's like the internet in general you know and but like social media especially is not the real world like what you see there no. is a curated version of the world it's not the whole picture it doesn't mean what it feels like it means and if you had just some of these sort of barriers some of these kind of like filters i mean that this extends to adults because look at what yeah you know is happening with like even like it drives me nuts you know that it like you'll see stories in the newspaper newspaper online yeah. you know whatever yeah. journalists or whatever and the story is well, these people on Twitter said this in reaction to this. And it's just like, well, who fucking cares? The, like, that's not real. That's Twitter. That's not yeah. real. Like, you're, that's lazy journalism. And it's yeah. the, it's not the right metric for gauging what's real about the interaction and stuff. So that, I think, is a really important point. And, yeah. And I think you're touching on the whole radicalization, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so then do you, like... Just we, we start wrapping this up here. We've been going for a while. Um, yeah. You have conversations about this with your students in um, social studies class, health class, whatever it is. Is there like yeah. a, and we haven't, there's another thing we haven't even talked on, but we can maybe save it for later, but you kind of mentioned it with one of the parents that was like, you can't talk to the kids about this. She's feeling bad. Coddling of parents or coddling of kids by parents is another thing like with a decreased play. Well, it, it just, it's resiliency. It's resiliency. And we yeah. kind of touched on that with the nature of play. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another issue. But where yeah. do you see, like, do you feel like you're alone on an island trying to talk about these things? Or is mm -hmm. like your your colleagues, the principals, the, the greater community of teachers talking about this? Are parents open to talking about this? So that's an interesting, I think there's an interesting point there with the parents especially because i found like generationally their parents they were not raised by parents who understood social media mm -hmm. and therefore how like that experiential knowledge is passed on because mm -hmm. it's not it's not taught in curriculums right so it's passed on and so then the parents of the kids that i teach they don't really have some of the ideas or the tools or even a, they may not even be aware of some of the problems. Yeah, and I think that the kids now are slowly like they themselves are watching their friends leave tests because they have panic attacks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's there's there was a suicide in my school uh, earlier this year, and as a small as a small school, like that was a huge wake up call to a, a like the whole student population. Mm -hmm. Um, they're like the level of social anxiety that's observable in a gym class is like, I think the kids understand that there might be something there, mm -hmm. but good luck at this moment, good luck creating a collective will around, you know, putting yourself worth in social media, monitoring what you use it for mm -hmm. and what you're getting out of it. Being critical of what you see, blah, blah, blah. Being critical of what you see. And I mean, and I think that's where parents might be able to help out in that regard is 
it's just like I think we're, the conversations are being had. There's obviously some students are more susceptible to it, but they're also more susceptible to popularity and trends and trying to be like their peers and fitting in. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I feel like you're we're not we're trying to move a glacier here and it's going to take some time and, it, and it's going to continue to take the conversations. I think teachers are very susceptible to having it. I maybe one day, like the health curriculum has their kind of broad points that you're supposed to touch on. Like I said, media analysis or media literacy is part of the health curriculum. Um, and that's a relatively new part of the health curriculum. Mm-hmm. And then what teachers do with that and how they approach media literacy that's when you can start picking and choosing specifically what you you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. And like all of the materials and the conversations that I'm having, I have with my peers and my colleagues and hopefully, you know, they, I, it's like, I'm not trying to teach anyone or tell anyone how to be a parent or how to teach, mm-hmm. but I, I, I feel like the content that we've touched on in this podcast um, we could start having these conversations with our students and you need to like, there's milestone conversations that you have with kids growing up. It's like, you know, you give them the birds and the bees talk. Mm-hmm. Well, there might, there might be a social media talk that you have, yeah. especially if it comes to, if your if your kid's mental health is being affected by this, or it's potentially being affected by this, mm-hmm. then it, it's going to be a worthwhile conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And it's, and like we, we talked about too, it's, it's, it's gotta be like a whole community level, you know, push, right? Like if like one kid getting off social media, isn't going to increase hit that kid's av- availability of peers to have face to face contact with if no one else. Yeah. And we got to be clear too. We're not getting them off social media. Yeah. 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 Like I, it, yeah, I'm not asking, I never once start the conversation with like, we need to get, rid get of off social media, your app. Yeah delete it no you know it's just like know that it is addictive and that it's designed to create and manipulate your impulse Mm -hmm. like i would leave my phone on while lecturing during social studies class it'll ding and then watch dozens of hands reach for their pockets yeah yeah that's a weird and then like i i notice that all the and i try and pavlovian Yeah. yeah i turn my phone on silent most of the time now it's mostly on silent because I just, I don't want to hear that ring and I've turned off notifications. Yep. I mean, that's a step you could maybe take with kids. That's one of the steps recommended. Yeah. yeah. That's recommended. If it isn't pertinent to your job, like some people need to get their emails. Yeah. So you can have a notification when it comes to email, yeah. but if it isn't like explicitly like pertinent to the moment, then turn off notifications. It's one of the recommendations in the film. So that's the one thing I did like about it is like, there's ideas towards how we can teach people, not just youth, but people to like better use it. But there is going to be like a collective will element to it, which is going to take a culture. It's going to take a while to create a culture change. Yeah. And I wonder too, like how, you know, like if this just, you know, humans are adaptable, we're not infinitely adaptable and it's, and it's, you know, be naive i think to think that we could adapt our social development uh to a totally online world you know at any time soon because you know that's overriding what uh, thousands hundreds of thousands of years of evolution like hardwired yeah you know, like that's pretty 
difficult. Yeah, well, that's one of the points they make in the movie is like techno technology has evolved at an astronomical rate, but the human mind, like the brain, yeah. hasn't evolved much at all. Yeah, in comparison time lengths, yeah. Um, yeah. In comparable time lengths, yeah. So, but I mean, it is like, if this is the new way of communicating, we need to find ways to make it not as damaging or more resembling, yeah. you know. So there's a bunch of like avenues that you can attack this at. But I agree that we are kind of at this stage of like, let's let's start having these conversations. So yeah, thanks for thanks for doing the podcast, man. It's been fun to talk about it because I know that it's something that like you were you've been pretty uh, vocal about and to get your experience from like from the teacher point of view to be like, well, look, I see this, I see this stuff all the time. I think it's, I think it's interesting. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a fun conversation to have in that it's not all doom and gloom. And it's just, it's very interesting because if you take the time to observe it, you can see it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's like the internet has not been a long, long, like very long. And now it's been a long, it's been around long enough to have a large enough sample size yeah. that we're start to collect some correlative data. Yeah. So that's why now, you know, now's the converse, now's the time to be having this conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hey man, no problem. Anytime. Any, anytime. It's nice. Yeah. Nice visit. Yeah. Good to see you too. Uh, follow me on social media. Well, oh yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. Follow the show. Yeah. Like, subscribe. Like, subscribe. Hit that button. Get notifications. I don't know if you can get notifications for Too Brad For You podcast, but... Uh, yeah, man. Thanks for doing it. Okay, take care. There we go. Interesting times for youth, for parents, for all of us, really, as we grapple with what these technologies actually mean for our well-being, our mental health, uh, our society. Um, I'm, I love these conversations. I think they're really important. Again, thank you to my brother, uh, Daryl, for coming on and sharing his insights. Uh, it was great to catch up with him. Um, if you enjoyed it, if you didn't enjoy it, if you want to talk more about it, reach out at Too Brad for You on all of the platforms, Twitter and Instagram, really. Uh, and Too Brad for You at gmail.com. You can email us the website, Too Brad for You at WordPress.com. Please do, you know, subscribe where you're getting your podcast, rate, comment, all that great stuff. Let us know what you think. Interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. And other than that, Take care, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye for now.